0: This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of uh, having a discussion uh, regarding a recently published article um, in the International Journal of Gynecological Pathology uh, titled, Tumor Staging of Endocervical Adenocarcinoma, Recommendations from the International Society of Gynecological Pathologists. And I have a pleasure of speaking with uh, Dr. Esther Oliva, who is a Harvard professor, also the past president of the International Society of Gynecologic Pathology, and who's also in the Department of Pathology at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Welcome, Esther.
1: Thank you for um, the invitation to be here with you today.
0: Well, it's absolutely a pleasure, and, uh, and uh, certainly as we were speaking before this podcast, uh, I was mentioning to Esther that this is uh, really a very important um, uh, work and uh, one that was definitely very much needed, uh, both for gynecologic pathologists and also for gynecologic oncologists. So I wanted to first ask you, Esther, um, if you could describe for us as to what was the reason for putting together this manuscript and the recommendation from the International Society of Gynecological Pathologists.
1: Um I think um there were several um you know um <clears throat> Reasons to put this um, this uh, um, article, and not only this article, but a bunch of like a, a group of articles together um, on endocervical carcinoma, which actually can many of, of, of them or some of them can be applied to squamous cell carcinoma uh, of the cervix, but mainly mostly the the, the reasons uh, include awareness, you no know, awareness of the um, difficulties that uh, pathologists, you know, um, entertain when looking at the different types of the specimens that we receive from you, mm-hmm. and also try to reach consensus as much as one can uh, for um, our, you know, uh, for um, patient patient care, actually, right? So so try to be as homogeneous in the way we interpret, it, uh, you know, different specimens uh, of adenocarcinoma, so actually this can have, uh, you know, better um, translation to patient care.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the things also I wanted to, to ask you, um, be, before we get into some of the details of the manuscript, uh, this is often a topic that um, comes up in discussion regarding the, the type of staging. Uh, and and you know, certainly you, you speak about a tumor staging system. Um, we traditionally have gone by the FIGO staging uh, for gynecologic mm-hmm. cancers. Um, but what uh, I'm interested in your thoughts with regards to what do you consider ideal staging? Because obviously there's the AJCC and the TNM uh, staging system as well as the FIGO staging. Uh, what are your thoughts with regards to that?
1: Well, I think that it would be important that it would be uh, uniform staging system right um, so we would go all by the same staging system I think there is a tendency now to actually that uh, the um, TNM and the FIGO are aligned there's an alignment and um, uh, of the systems, uh, what happens uh, still now is that um, there is a decollage between the FIGO and the, and the TNM of the HECC, and uh, the, the changes appear first in the FIGO staging, and then they will appear in the in the in HECC staging. But um, um, I think it would be just best only one staging system, you know, and that we use all the same. Mm-hmm. And it would be, again, important for uh, patient care, for kind of um, understanding between, between us and for, uh, for um, you know, all together, yeah. in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and, and particularly for discussions as, as it pertains to yes. management yes. as well.
1: Yes, that is
0: correct, yes. So, so Stella, I want to go in th- in through the, the details of the, of the manuscript and the, and the points that are highlighted, and I think each of these points are incredibly relevant, and, and um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on e- in each one of them. Uh, and the first one I wanted to talk about um, measuring grossly visible cervical adenocarcinoma. And that often, again, it becomes one of, the, one of the controversies because, you know, do we go by the physical exam? Do we go by the imaging studies? Do we go by pathology? What are the, what are the things to do when the, those actually are different? Uh, so um, I'd like to hear your thoughts first on um, how should we approach uh, measuring grossly visible tumors?
1: Well, I mean, um, state, uh, uh, size is an important parameter in the FIGO staging, right? So um, so um, the final uh, stage should be based on all the information that uh, we have available, which uh, oftentimes will be pathology and radiology, and sometimes will be only, you know, your gross examination, right? Uh, so um, I think... Um, one has to put everything together I think uh, in in some instances uh, you know especially when tumors are small pathology may give you a better size um, but in some cases tumor that may be big, like a barrel-shaped you know, tumor, maybe radiology may be more helpful. Um, and um, in some instances where there is, uh, it cannot be, it cannot be, actually the patient cannot undergo um, uh, surgery, then then you have to kind of do an, a combination, right, of, I think, radiology and what you actually see by your gross examination. So I don't think, um, you know, it's, it, there is, um, when possible, I think pathology would be the best mm-hmm. in, you know, of course, you, you would see it. But there will be there will be situations in which we can actually overestimate the size of the tumor, right? So Mm -hmm. then, that's what I'm saying. It it should be, um, um, you know, um, putting all the evidence together that we have.
0: Yeah. So the next uh, the next item is one that really becomes a major issue of uh, discussion, um, particularly when we see patients as a second opinion, and this is particularly patients that come in. With either post leap or post cone, but there have been multiple uh, uh, specimens that have been uh, removed and thi- this is when we get into and particularly with adenocarcinoma, when we get into well, do we add the the, the invasion of uh, of the tumor do we uh, just take the largest one what what do you think from the pathologist's perspective set, settle settle this question uh, for us uh, with regards to getting multiple specimens
1: well that's the problem that we get to <laughs> we we actually uh we oftentimes you know uh we won't have the prior specimen we will know you know uh we cannot um look at it so we cannot actually tell you what was in there right Which is uh and some some of the times, you know, as as we have mentioned before, the way the, the measurements maybe have taken maybe may be different, right? Um, so uh, it is. There are two points that are important, I think. For example, in in the in the in the newest uh, fiber staging system. Um, because the horizontal extent is not anymore a criterion. Uh, um, then um, that may is a bit uh, the problem. Um, it has been talked before about uh, you know adding, all these horizontal dimensions, but probably we, we will be overestimating uh, again. Uh, so, if we da- disregard that, then um, you know, uh, basically what we are going to be measuring is the depth of invasion of the tumor, right? Mm-hmm. And then we should measure the the depth of invasion in each specimen. Uh, but for uh, you know staging purposes, um, what we actually need to kind of um, um, tell you is what is going to be the deepest mm-hmm. in any single specimen, right? I mean, if the the deepest is in the in the final hysterectomy, that is the one that counts, right? But I had the specimens where I show in the hysterectomy, a specimen, there is no tumor left. Mm-hmm. So what is the depth of invasion, right? So then I have to go with the depth of invasion that is present in the prior lip, you know, or cone or, 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 or whatever prior specimen that I have.
0: Yeah. And, and just so, so that we can uh, then stress this to our audience, uh, we should get away, I- I- if I'm hearing you correctly, from the adding all of the death of invasions to determine what is the deepest uh, point of invasion, correct? Yes. Okay. Now, um, another uh, topic of uh, often discussion, the exophytic tumors. And um and, you know, certainly we see a quite a number of patients that have a, a large exophytic uh, tumor. And the certainly there's a dilemma often measuring these because one wonders, should we go by tumor thickness? Should we go by death of invasion? Um, should we go by both? Um, what, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on, on these exophytic tumors?
1: Well, first of all, exophytic tumors oftentimes are seen grossly, Right so mm, you are going so these tumors are not going to be um anymore in the category of um, of 1a you know 1a yeah. stage um and so um um you know i i there are not to start with there are not many studies of of that are just looking at the exophytic tumors in the cervix um if uh, you know we now try to kind of say that uh, you should me- you should actually mention both the thickness mm-hmm. of the tumor, right, and uh, that that will actually be from the very... Top of the tumor uh, to the most deeply infiltrative uh, um, point uh, within the cervical wall, and then you should talk about also depth of invasion, which would be uh, whatever part is truly not exophytic within the tumor, right? Mm -hmm. And and uh, and. Then we are going. If we are kind of looking at those tumors that are, you know, in in the category that are only seen by microscopy, that are exophytic. I think the the data is basically um, extrapolated, in my opinion, from what I see, from what you see in bigger in bigger tumors that are exophytic, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if you have a, a tumor that is exophytic uh, and it has an infiltration that less than five millimeters, but the thickness of the tumor is more than five millimeters, it is then is recommended uh, to use the the tumor thing, the, the maximum tumor thickness. And so the tumor is placed on the on a stage 1B. And I think again, this is trying to follow like the the way the tumors have been, uh, you know, um, separated by the fiber staging, you know, um, overall. Um, because we don't have much experience with these tumors. I You know, if I have to kind of look at uh, and compare, for example, with endometrial carcinomas, right? Um, Overall, you tend to think that those exophytic tumors are going to do much better than any tumor that is Im- invasive mm-hmm. into the my- into the, in the you know into the endometrium or myometrium, and I I would think that the same thing is is true for cervix. But because we do not have good data at this point in time, this is the consensus that we have reached.
0: Yeah, great. Um... Uh, and yeah, that, that uh, explains it very, very well. Um, and w- one of the other questions I wanted to ask you is we often hear the term uh, multifocal tumors. And first, I, w- I was wondering from, from the pathologist's perspective, what does it mean to be or to have a, a multifocal tumor? And then uh, second, I was wondering because it seems that we just hear about these tumors when we're talking about adenocarcinoma, but is it something that we also see with squamous carcinoma?
1: Yes, we actually uh, see it. Um, appears to be more often in squamous than actually in adenocarcinoma. Squamous, carcin- squamous carcinoma, than mm-hmm. in adenocarcinoma. Now the FIGO stage, the FIGO doesn't really kind of give you any guidelines of how to define multifocal tumors. And what is done from the pathology point of view is um, um, it has been defined as different, uh, it has different definitions. If, you put it, if I, I can, I can say that. Mm-hmm. So some people say, you know, if you have a tumor that uh, you know is separated by two millimeters to the next focus of invasive tumor you have, these are, this is multifocal. This is a multifocality. Okay. If they are in different uh, blocks, this is multifocality. Understanding that if you had cut through the block, there is no connection. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. with the two, the, the two different foci. Or some other people may think um, it's only when when uh, what is not things. Some people actually state that it's when they occur in different lips of of the cervix. The truth of the matter is that uh, again um, there are few studies. Looking at multifocality, and when you look at multifocality, and you look at the at the um, outcome on on these patients, the most important part is the depth of invasion. And so, it it if you um if you you wanted to count you know this multifocality or not as a horizontal extent, right? It does not affect actually. The prognosis, what is the, the most prevalent prognostic factor would be the depth of invasion.
0: Interesting. And, um, and instead, uh, one of the things that I also notice is that some pathologists, uh, particularly when we see many of the outside pathology reports, um, they will report tumor dimensions, uh, uh, two dimensions, and others will report three dimensions What's the the right strategy? Is there a a single right strategy?
1: <laughs> um, there is I, I, actually uh, I, I don't think there is a a, a, a single uh, strategy a strategy, but um, I would say that most of us are, are reporting uh, two dimensions. Um, the deepest uh, invasion, right, mm-hmm. and the largest tumor dimension. Uh, those is what the two measurements. Uh, now, so in the um, um, uh, I think in the um, ICCR, they may actually um, even provide a third uh, horizontal dimension, mm-hmm. uh, but only two dimensions are required.
0: Yeah. And now moving on to these other types of tumors, circumferential tumors, obviously um, cervix, you can almost see it as a, as a tube. Um, mm-hmm. wh- what do we do in these cases in, in terms of, you know, c- certainly if you have a tumor on the anterior cervix and another tumor on the posterior cervix, or maybe even cylindrically uh, a tumor o- on all sides of the cervix, then what, what what is your approach? What is your recommendation? How do you report that to us?
1: So, so these are the cases where I think actually radiology may be, um, may, may be helpful, you know, uh, because in some of these tumors, um, we may not see a tumor grossly from the pathology point of view, right? And uh, because what is occurring is just you, we are going to have a thickening of the, of the cervix, but no discrete mass. Mm-hmm. And on that scenario, we are not going to measure... A tumor, right? Because we don't see it, and then only when we actually see the the, the, the slides on those sections that we are going to notice that it's actually diffuse tumor involving the cervical wall. And and at this point in time, again, we can go and add up, you know, the measurements from each block, but we will be probably overestimating the actually the real um, tumor size. And these are the cases where actually radiology may be helpful uh, in um, in determining um, best, better than us the actual uh, tumor size.
0: Yeah, interesting. And um, one additional specific question on the details that are brought up in this uh, in this manuscript. Um, you know, we often uh, talk about the positive margin, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, know th- th- there's often an argument as to well is it positive right at the margin or within a certain number of millimeters then categorizing yeah. that as a positive margin I was wondering mm-hmm. first if you could talk about your definition of a positive margin and then number two you bring up an interesting point in the article that you talk about provisional staging um, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. does that how does that come into play so
1: for for us a positive margin is when you have tumor that you cut through Mm -hmm. that is a positive margin right so it's it's you know you have it at your real margin that you can see either because uh, you actually see the um artifact related to you know uh to your surgery or you actually you have inked uh, uh, prior to the specimen and you know that there's this tumor at the margin. That is the real margin. Then there then, or sometimes we can actually say you know um, that tumor is uh, approaches the margin. That doesn't mean it's at the margin. Sometimes we can actually tell you like it's done in the vulva you know it's three millimeters from the margin is five millimeters from the margin. Some people will say that they you know um, the closest the closer it is to the margin, the higher would be your recurrent rate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it also could be that the tumor is multifocal, as you, we were talking before, right? Uh, so um, so that's one uh, issue. So for us, positive margin means there is tumor at the margin, okay? That's a positive margin. And then, uh, so, so in the past... When you had a, a, a positive a margin, right, uh, the tumor would be um, staged as a stage 1B. But I am not so sure in which basis, right? I, I would assume that it, it would be assumed that the size of the tumor would be mm-hmm. enough to be categorized as 1B. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, what we are trying to do is not to stage. A tumor if it's at the margin because we do really don't know mm-hmm. what is beyond that margin, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be our preference. Now sometimes, as you well know, um, we will be pushed by uh, our clinicians, our uh, <laughs> colleagues, and uh, um, and uh, and then um, we are offering an alternative, you know, and uh, the alternative is giving you Uh, to say, well, um, at least this would be such and such a stage, right, Mm -hmm. Um, based on what I have. But I cannot tell you that it's not going to be a higher stage. But this is what we are calling a provisional stage. Yeah.
0: So, to all my colleagues, get ready to start seeing the provisional staging. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so.
1: You know, I, I, I am. I, I rather say it's at the margin and not staged, because yeah. I, 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 I don't want also Then, then sometimes this creates miscommunication, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and that g- gets transported, you know, from one chart to the next, to the yes. next, you know, to uh, one report to the next. And so I rather. I'd rather not push it. Exactly. <laughs> and leave it and leave it at margin and, 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 and see what happens, you know, what's the next uh, appropriate step.
0: Yeah, and I think we prefer that. Uh, now, instead, uh, getting on to some more controversial topics, uh, you know, you, you discussed uh, your point regarding ovarian involvement of adenocarcinoma and how this should not change the, the stage. Um, mm-hmm. my, my question is some uh, would argue and say well we might treat these patients differently so why would it not change the stage what what are your thoughts
1: well um it's it, and it's a good it's a good question and um and I'll tell you that overall when we actually think about the incidence of uh, metastasis um you know uh Looking at uh, cervical cancer, um, it's um, it's very very low for squamous cell carcinoma. It's a bit higher for adenocarcinoma. I, I think it's one to five percent respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I think um, I think of um, the ovary sometimes as, as a sanctuary, you know, uh, if you wish of the of uh, of maybe of these of these tumors. Oftentimes when you have the ovary, you don't have other sites of metastasis. Um but again, the experience is very limited because I also have seen some stage, uh, you know, one A, you know, what we call silver pattern A tumors mm-hmm. that w- have been associated with ovarian metastasis, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I think is something is a is a is a is a field where again work needs to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that is not black or white. Mm-hmm. Um. We just don't have enough data. Yeah. That is the problem, uh, you know. But uh, I would assume that, you know, if you have uh, ovarian metastasis, mm, you know, you know, we do we do a stage these tumors like as a, a three, like if there was endometrial cancer, right? Why, you know, mm, why not for for a, a cervical cancer? And again, I think maybe there's something different. You know, uh, cervical versus endometrial cancer, right? So maybe, um, as I said, it, it, the ovary acts as, as uh, you know, acts as a sanctuary, as you know, for example, uh, the testis acts as sanctuary for lymphomas or other kind of tumors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, as you said, uh, these are such rare circumstances that it's difficult to get enough numbers to study this really right. yes. Um, yes. Now, I uh, want to ask you about lymphovascular space invasion. And uh, mm-hmm. often the question comes up, well, is there just a focus of LVSI or is there a lot of LVSI? Does it make any sense to try to quantify how much lymphovascular space invasion is there? I
1: think it, it does make sense. But the problem again is that there are no studies looking at that. Mm-hmm. So there are studies now looking at, you know, at the quantifying the amount of infovascular invasion that you see in endometrial cancers, right? Because we have a PORTEC, you know, um, study, and in, in, in we know now that, you know, less than four, you know, lymphovascular spaces versus more, it makes. A difference right it's mm-hmm. lymphovascular invasion the amount of lymphovascular invasion is important to pronosticate you know the presence of lymph node metastasis mm-hmm. but in in the cervix we don't have those studies there is only one recent study um that um, came from um you know the group that we have work on the on the international classification of endocervical carcinoma that was led by Isabel Alvarado Cabrero, and in that study was just papillary endocervical endocarcinomas, and in that study, she did quantify a uh, lymphovascular invasion. Um, but obviously, uh, I think she quantifies it like uh, less than four, five, uh, uh, less uh, up to four, five to 19, and more than 20. Of course, you know, to me, if you have a, like an obvious, obvious, you know, a lymphovascular invasion, that is going to be as associated with poorer prognosis. But, uh, but as I said, there are no studies that actually have looked at that.
0: Now, I want to get in a little bit into uh, lymph nodes. And obviously, as you know, sentinel lymph node mapping is becoming fairly standard of care in patients with uh, cervical cancer in many centers. Um, mm-hmm. And specifically, w- the issue of isolated tumor cells, and since we're speaking about, you know, staging of adenocarcinoma, um, some might ar- I ask, you, uh, you know, certainly if you have an isolated tumor cells, it doesn't change the stage, but... Yet we treat them with chemotherapy and radiation. Um, so why why shouldn't isolated tumor cells change the stage of patients with cervical cancer?
1: Okay, the first thing is that they should not be treated with chemotherapy and radiation, because isolated tumor cells. You know, uh, should not be treated uh, like that. They are not treated for endometrial cancer. They are actually and uh, now even in breast cancer, that, that is, uh, which are the you know like the tumors that that we have more experience with. Um, you know, these patients are not treated mm-hmm. with chemotherapy or radiation. So um, I, I don't think um, it it you know it 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 is stated that should not be treated if you have only isolated tumor cells. Now. We always kind of look at these things as, um, again, black and white. Mm -hmm. And this is just a continuous line, correct? So you may have tumor, you know, isolated tumor cells, only a few. You can have isolated tumor cells, many, but still isolated tumor cells. And if you have many, that would be very close what we would call micrometastasis correct mm-hmm. and then you would think that those patients even we still don't know by common sense they will actually do close you know pronostically closer of what those patients that have micrometastasis mm-hmm. but again we just at this point in time for you know treatment purposes we just say a or b Yes. So it's either isolated tumor cells, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even there are three or there are 100, right? Or we call them micrometastases if it's more than 0.2 millimeters, right? So unfortunately, this is the way we do things um, because it's the only way we have to be able to treat patients, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think we all have to be aware that, again, things are not black and white. There is, it's, 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 a, it's a continuum.
0: Absolutely. And then as a follow-up to that, then you mentioned um, these two interesting terms, uh, contiguous isolated tumor ce- cells versus aggregates of isolated tumor cells. Can you explain a little bit about what that means?
1: Well, you know, we can have, um, um, when you have isolated tumor cells, Right, you can have one, one, two, three. you can have them close together, or you can have them separate mm-hmm. in in the in the lymph node, right? And so so it's going to be different. Um, so, if, like, let's say if I have um, uh, isolated tumor cells and they are continuous, right? Um, maybe if I get levels at some point, these will connect mm. and will make a micrometastasis. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or or um, or not? you know so again uh, it 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 is actually um, a bit of common sense right um, and is is um, is trying to see if you have many of those isolated tumor cells or just a few of them
0: mm-hmm. great so now is there I obviously and before uh-huh.
1: and before and before I just I, before we actually uh, um, uh, continue I just wanted mm-hmm. to make a point uh, of something that you had asked me before for which um I um i'm not so sure i i was as clear as I wanted to be okay. so you you had asked me for multiple specimens right yes. with the approach and I told you that it's the deepest of any single specimen but mm-hmm. again um you know Sometimes it may be also difficult to get the, the, the you know um, the deepest point of invasion if you had a prior lip right in mm-hmm. in in that specimen, and uh, and, the, and and in these cases you actually want to kind of put together you know the deepest invasion in the cone. Because what you have left, you don't know how to measure from the surface, right? What you have left on the hysterectomy specimen. I, I, I hope I am clear on what I'm saying. But you know, there is a decalage in there. There is ulceration. There is the prior surgery, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have any more that surface, right? That piece of tissue is gone, right? <laughs> so, so where you, where do you measure from, right? Exactly. So, so in those cases, it is important that you go back to the Prior corn or leaf, you know, and in, if you can match that area, and then take that that depth of invasion, and you add it to what is left in the tracheal specimen. Mm. I hope it's clear.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. And one thing also that that I that I think is also should be stressed, particularly for, to our general gynecology colleagues, is that uh, the 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 least amount of specimens you give us, the 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 better, uh, and ideally one single specimen would be uh, the best. Um, yes. so then now instead, I, uh, wanted to ask you as a, as a last question, I really enjoyed and learned a tremendous deal from, from this discussion, but I wanted to ask you, well, what do you hope that this manuscript achieves in terms of clinical practice?
1: Well, I, I, am I'm, I'm hoping again that, you know, um, m- making, um, ourselves aware of the issues that we have and making maybe you aware of the issues that the pathologists have, right? We can come up with some um a more homogeneous way of practicing um, pathology uh, in forendocervical cancer, so in a much more um, uh, homogeneous way to deliver to deliver information to you, so you can actually treat patients, uh, you know, in a much um, in a better way if if at all possible. That is the first um, goal, and um, that this um, manuscript uh, you know tries to achieve. And as I said, is a part. It's part of a series of manuscripts, and not all, only manuscripts. It's part of a worldwide of a worldwide work uh, that uh, we have um, um, encouraged pathologists, you know, to share, um, so we can also um, provide um, with um, recommendations about in the future potentially changing how is the way we stage these tumors, right? Uh, uh, as you know, there is now the silver um, pattern of invasion that um, uh, tries to uh, not replace, but it's kind of being used is uh, being a surface and uh, you know included in the NCC uh, uh, guidelines um, that is trying to see if this can be a better way of uh, staging at least some, Uh, endocervical carcinomas uh, and uh, which actually may have an important impact in in the in the treatment uh, and the prognosis of these young women, many many of those are young women, and uh, right now in many of them we are you are going to perform uh, lymphadenectomies, and uh, these actually have secondary effects. So if we could change, we you know we have actually accrued more than 2,000 cases of adenocarcinomas uh, of the cervix. And if we can actually prove that this system is better, we can actually um, improve patient care. So this is uh, so. Those are the goals of, of all this work that has been, uh, um, you know, um, done by um, the society members, which I am very thankful uh, for.
0: Yeah, well, um, thank you so, so much. It's been such a pleasure. Uh, it's been a great learning experience. I am certain that our audience is going to find this discussion of uh, extreme value. I want to thank you for all that you have contributed and, and thank you for the immense amount of work that was put into developing this uh, this manuscript. So thank you very much. Thank
1: you.